Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, and uh, actually tonight we're going to start in uh, verse 23, and we're going to kind of cross over into chapter 2. Did you know when the Bible was written, they didn't put chapter numbers? Did you know that? Okay, so, so it's okay to go between chapters here. We're going to start in verse 23 of chapter 1, and then we're going to go down through uh, chapter 2, verse 8. One of the great things I love about living in this area is enjoying this time of year in the Adirondacks. Amen? Would you agree with that? Some of the most quiet and peaceful times I've ever had in my life was maybe going on a hike up Buck Mountain and finding a place where I could kind of spread out a blanket and spend some time with the Lord or, or being out in a canoe somewhere on an Adirondack pond or, or, or a stream or something and, and just kind of look up and, and see the mountains around you and the cool, crisp air. And maybe hear one of those loons or, or a hawk or I've even seen some eagles for the first time in my life since I've lived here. I've seen some eagles, you know, when I've been out and around and you can almost just sort of feel your blood pressure just kind of going down, just thinking about it. Can't you just, man, let's get out there. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go be in the Adirondacks. Why is it that we need times like that? Why is it that we need vacations? It's because life can be hard. We have a lot of challenges, and sometimes the reality is we need to just get away for a while. But unfortunately, vacations don't come very often, do they? <laughs> for, for some, less than others, right? I mean, they come once a year. They come a couple of times a year. And so we have to learn that, yes, there are times that we can look forward to when we can break away from that ground, but there are times that we have to live with it. There are times that we have to deal with the challenges that we face. And today, I want us to think about this. Instead of learning how to deal with those challenges, instead of just learning how to make it through those challenges, maybe we should learn how to grow through the problems that we face. That's why I want to talk to you tonight about growing through hard times. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Last week, as we started uh, uh, this section of 1 Peter, we talked about living life like you mean it. Even though um, I might be going through challenges in my life, I need to get serious about my own relationship with God, and I need to get serious about loving and serving other people. And as the Lord challenges us with that thought in 1 Peter chapter 1, he follows that up with a reason that we should do that. He says one of the reasons that we should live our lives seriously, like we mean it, paying attention, is because when we came to Jesus Christ, a seed was planted in our heart. Amen? Would you agree with that? Something happened in my heart. And that seed was not like the things of this world. It is not going to pass away easily like the things of this world. It's a seed that is alive and enduring. It's the seed of the Word of God. That's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. And mentioning that leads us to what we want to focus on today. We usually see difficulty in our lives as a negative thing. And so as a result of that, we run away from it or we try to just get through it. And you know what? There are tough things. There are negative things. We're not just saying in church that you ought to smile and you ought to pretend like everything. There are Jesus says in the world, you will have tribulation. But don't stop there. He says, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So even though, yes, we don't like to go through difficulties, sometimes we have to, and God can use that as an opportunity to grow us. So the question tonight is, how do we grow through hard times in our lives? First of all, God's Word teaches us we grow by letting God speak to us. Look at verse 23. He says, finishing that section that we talked about last time, he says, for you have been born again, praise the Lord, amen, remember that thought? My life has been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Anybody else here, Amen. 
<laughs> you have been born again, praise the Lord, yes I have, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, namely, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This, this word of the Lord, is the word which was preached to you. It's the word that you heard. It's the word that God's been using in your life. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, immediately in those verses, we see an emphasis on the Word of God. What is it talking about? When we talk about the Word of God, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Bible, the Word of God. God revealed Himself to us through the Scriptures. God's work that He has done in our heart is built upon the foundation of the promises that He has given us in His Word. And it says here that that Word is living. In fact, life is mentioned, is emphasized several times in that passage. God's work is alive, amen? It is working. I can tell I've got something in me. It's not dead, it's alive, amen? Would you agree with that? God is working in my life. He is living, He is active, and his word that he has placed in my life, it is alive. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, which was kind of his way of saying, it was kind of their way of saying, the sharpest sword you could find. It is sharper than that and piercing. It is able to penetrate as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Have you ever heard the word of God and said, oh my goodness, God has my number? Amen? <laughs> he found me out. Nobody else knows what I'm doing, but God knows because he is speaking to me. Amen? Isn't that true? And there is no creature hidden from his sight. That's true. I've tried it. I cannot hide from him. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to deal with, with whom we have to do. Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you so clearly that everybody else may as well go to sleep, turn the lights out, turn the spotlights toward you? Because tonight, this message, have you ever felt like that? God is speaking to me. His word is alive. His word is enduring. In verses 24 and 25, it's a, it's a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 and 8. It says, all flesh, all people, is what it's talking about there, all people, we're like grass, we're like a tender plant, and all its glory on our best days. That tender plant, we're, we're just like the flower of that grass. That grass is going to wither and that flower is going to fall off. What it's saying is, it's, it's demonstrating to us that human beings, we are fragile. And even at our best, on our best days, it is short-lived, it doesn't last long. But in comparison with God's Word, God's Word is totally different from that. Last year, you might have been pretty sharp and you're not doing so well today. Last year, five years ago, you may have not have been doing so great and you're doing pretty well today. That's great. You can go back a million years. The Word of God is still the same. It's going to be the same as it is today. You can go 10 million years ahead in the future. It's going to be exactly the same. Isn't that encouraging tonight? The Word of God is enduring. It never changes. Now, then he says, Therefore, 
Now remember last time I said, when you see a therefore in Scripture, what should you ask? What's it there for? Okay, it's saying in light of what he just said about God's word, in light of that amazing word of God, he says, as followers of Jesus, stop doing some things. He says, putting aside, take it off. Okay, there's some things in your life. There's some things that are that are that are part of your life. Take those things off. Put them aside. All malice. When he says malice, he's just talking about hostility toward other people. Again, I don't miss these things. Ask yourself, are there some of these things in my life that God is calling me to put aside? He said, put aside all hostility toward other people. Put aside all deceit. What does deceit mean? It means to be deceptive, doesn't it? It means to misrepresent the truth, to to deceive other people in your dealings with them. He says, put aside all hypocrisy. We talked about that word last time. The word hypocrisy just very simply means quit pretending. Is there any aspect of my life where I'm pretending to be something or someone that I'm not? He says, put aside all envy. Stop resenting other people for what they have that maybe you desire to have as well. He says, put aside all slander. Is anybody in this room saying some things about other people that's not very nice to say about somebody else, okay? That's maybe the way your grandma would say it, okay? (laughs) It's just not very nice to say those things, right? Okay, that's slander, destructive talk about other people. And by the way, I think it's interesting when you look at verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, in light of the mighty word of God, that seed that's been planted in your heart, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all sin. Do you see that all emphasis? Okay, what I believe he's saying is make it your goal not to entertain any of that. Okay? How many of us in our lives are allowing things? We kind of rationalize, don't we? Okay, well, I know I'm sort of struggling in this area. I know I sort of am not kind of walking with the Lord in that area, but look at all these other things, right? Okay, so we want to rationalize our sin. He says, no, I want you, I want you to make it your goal not to have any room. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh, okay? Don't bring any supplies with you that can encourage your sinful nature, all right? Now, is anybody going to be able to pull that off perfectly? Now, there are some Christians who interpret those kind of statements to mean that basically our goal should be perfection. Our goal should be that, I will, that it is possible for a Christian to not sin. You know how I know that's not true? Well, number one, I've never seen anybody pull it off. Amen. Okay. But but number two, the Bible says in First John chapter, I think it's chapter two, verse chapter one, verse ten. First John one verse ten says, if any of us says that we're not a sinner, that we don't have any sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. Okay? So the Bible's not saying it is possible for me to get to a, a point where I can just be perfect. There are some churches, are you listening? There are some churches that teach you that you ought to make that your goal, that you can be a perfect person. All right, I want to make it my goal that I'm honoring Jesus in every area of my life. How about that? Is that a good goal? But is it realistic that Robbie's never going to mess up? No, it's not. He says, make it your aim. Make it all. Make all of that your aim and your ambition with God's help. And instead, he says, putting aside those things. Instead, and this is really what we want to focus on. Much like a little baby longs for the milk that it needs to survive, he says, you as a child, a precious child of God, he uses a strong word right here. He says, long for the milk 
of God's word in your life. It's actually a word that means to crave something, to strongly desire. Have you ever seen a baby that wanted to be fed but wasn't? Nobody here ever had kids before? <laughs> you know, I say, Shannon, please, let's find a way to feed that kid. Amen? <laughs> I mean, screaming, I'm ready. I got to have it. Isn't that right? He says, that's the kind of desire. That's the picture we ought to have. I ought to be like a, a child that's just like frantic. I must have the word of God. He says, so that you might grow. What's implied is if you don't crave the word of God, if you don't long for the word of God, what's not going to happen in your life? You're not going to grow. So it's by craving the word that you and I, don't miss this. This is really the point. It's by craving, longing for the word of God that you and I are going to grow in the midst of our difficulty. He's saying, I don't think he's, I don't think he's talking about them being immature. There's other passages in God's word that, that, that sort of talks about uh, not being babies, needing milk, but kind of growing up and, and being able to eat more solid food. I don't think he's compared in that kind of way. I think he's just using that picture of a baby who needs that milk and that dependence, that, that humility, that that necessity, he's saying, stay humble, stay needy, just like a little baby. Can I share something with you tonight? I believe, and it is such a blessing. I share this with you guys a lot, and I mean it. I really mean it. It is such a blessing to stand in front of a bunch of people that I truly believe are seeking after God. You know what's cool? I believe here tonight, right now, this very moment, there are some people in this room who've never had a relationship with God. Maybe you're trying to understand what that's about. Maybe you've just recently received Christ as your Savior. Maybe in the last year or two, you've given your life to Him. You're trying to understand. You're open. You're interested. You're hungry. There are many people, I believe, in our church family that are coming every weekend that are seeking God from that perspective. And I believe that there's also some people in our church family that have known the Lord before they came to New Hope. They came to Christ. They were involved in another church family. But you know what? You have a sense that God is not done working in your life. You haven't learned every lesson there is to learn. God's not finished in and through you yet. You want to grow. You're hungry. You're seeking him. I believe that with all my heart. There are people at whatever level that are seeking him. Regardless of which one of those people you are, let me share this with you. If there is one thing I could give you as a secret, I really don't think there are a lot of silver bullets in the Christian life. Okay? I don't think there's a lot of secrets. There's a lot of, you know, because that's what some of the, some, even in early times, some of the, some of the early people who call themselves Christians, they would talk about that they got the secret, you know, and you'll hear some Christians today talk about, we got the secret, we got the little extra special information. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm just saying to you, if there is something critical to staying on the right track spiritually, to finding God's path, to growing into the person God created you to be, and I hope if you are seeking tonight, you're on the edge of your seat going, what is it? Amen? Amen? That's what I want, Pastor Robbie. I believe if there is one, this might be it. Starting right now, ask God to give you an insatiable hunger for his word in your life. If there's nothing else that I can say, I can say I am hungry to hear from God. That's what I want to say to the Lord.
You know, in my life, there's been a lot of ups and downs in God's work in my life. There's been different times. There's been different points. There's been different growth, different things God's been working on. But if one thing has been constant, God has given me a hunger for his work. And I'll tell you, it started as a little boy. I want to bring this little Bible for you tonight. I think I may have shown it before. This little Bible my aunt gave me when I was 12 years old. Actually, she gave it to me when I was 11. But I didn't start reading it until I was 12, okay? But when I was 12 years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I poured through this. I used this Bible all the way through college. I mean, I've got it marked up. In fact, I'm thinking about picking it back up and spending, uh, using it for my quiet time just to kind of bring back some of those memories of some things that God spoke to me about. But I remember when I first started out my relationship with the Lord, I poured through this Bible. I just wanted to know, God, who are you? What do you want for my life? Amen? Is that you? And even through the years, I, when I come to church, when I get involved in a, in a small group Bible study, or even when I'm preaching, when I'm preparing to preach, I don't do that because I'm obligated or because it's my duty or because I'm supposed to. I do it because I am hungry to know the Lord. Amen? Are you frantic to know the Lord? You may have heard me share before. When I get up in the morning, I get kind of irritated if anybody else got up before me. I ain't ready to see anybody. Amen? I need to talk to the Lord. I'm not ready to, to, to be Christ-like or to be selfless or to think about other people. I need to meet with the Lord first. The reason I listen to Christian radio so often is not because I'm a pastor. And that's what pastors are supposed to listen to. It's because I'm hungry to know the Lord. When I listen to godly men share his word and they give fresh insight, they give things that God's done in their life. I'm like, oh, I see that. That helps me. That's something I can use in my own life or that's something I can share with our church family. I want to hear it spoken. I want to hear it explained. I want to hear it applied to life because every time I do, it helps me to understand the Lord and his plan better and it helps me to grow a little bit closer to him. And by the way, let me draw a distinction because some people will run with this. So, Pastor Robert, what you're saying is we need to know more about the Bible. No, that's not what I'm saying. Many Christians have this emphasis on knowledge. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Okay, Knowledge makes us proud. We don't just need to know how to find Malachi in the Bible. All right, I need to know how to find Malachi because I want to read all of God's Word. And I want to know how to use it as a tool and as a resource so God can work in my life. Do you see the difference? I want to know the Lord, not just information about him. Let me read you some scriptures that talk about this. Psalm 119, uh, verse 9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. There it is, isn't it? How can I keep my life straight? I can do that by keeping it according to the word of God. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you hear that desperation? That desperation is, I am hungry, I am needy, I cannot live without the nourishment of God's word. Friend, I believe God's challenging us. If you want to grow in the midst of the struggle that you're facing, Ask God to give you a hunger for his word. Here's the question. Are you going through challenges in your life? Are you growing through challenges in your life? By the way, it's no wonder that the enemy would attack God's word so much in our culture. We need to recognize that. 
One of the reasons that there's such an attack against the Bible by the enemy is because the enemy knows this is where we get our nourishment from. And if we question it, or if we're not sure about it, that it's completely God's word, then that's going to keep us from seeking the Lord with the kind of heart that we need to. And by the way, there's a little booklet on the back shelf that, uh, that I put together, just some resources a few years ago. Take one of those. It'll encourage you tonight. You would not believe how amazing the word of God is. I mean, it's truly incredible. So let God speak to you. But secondly, let God work through you. Let's, uh, let's read verses uh, 4 through 8 there in First Peter. In chapter 2, it says, And coming to him, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Amen? This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this they were also appointed. In these verses, like the ones previously, there's a firm foundation from God that's mentioned. In the previous verses, the focus was on the Word of God. In these, the foundation specifically talks about who? It talks about Jesus. In verse 4 and in verses 6 through 8, Jesus as, is presented to us as what? What did it say? Jesus is the what? He's what? He is the rock. Okay, he's the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the head cornerstone. That stone would have been the first stone to be laid in the construction of a building. It had to be square, it had to be level, it had to be true because the angles and the walls and the level of the other building blocks would be based upon that starting block. Okay, that's literally what a cornerstone would have been in building. Spiritually, what the Bible's saying is Jesus is like that. In God's work in this world, Jesus is the first. Jesus is the best. Jesus is true. He is sound. He is level. He's the most important piece of the puzzle of God's work. With him, with his work in place, everything else is going to fit right. Now, it says as a side note here, unfortunately, many people will not accept him as that chief cornerstone. Unfortunately, many people in this world are going to reject him. But what we want to focus on is in verse 5. Yes, Jesus is the chief cornerstone, but as his children, what, what are we to be? What's it say? He is the living stone, and he says, you also are what? Verse 5. You also are to come to him, and you're to be living stones. How about we translate it this way? How about we paraphrase it this way? You are to be spiritual building blocks in God's work. Jesus is the chief. He's the corner. He's the capstone. He's the starting point. But we're to, he's, he wants to work through us 
to fill in that picture of his work. Now, it's still his work. It's still him. But he wants to work through us as building blocks. Now, the picture here is really of a building going up. And actually, probably what I think he's talking about here, especially with the wording that he gives here, it's not just any building, but it's a what? What kind of building is used for worship? It's a temple. God is building a temple. Many times we think of the church as a body. The Bible talks about us as the body of Christ. Okay, you've probably heard that term before. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4. That's a great picture. That's a great analogy of what, what we're like in God's work. But actually here and in other places, Peter uses the idea, God leads Peter to use the idea of we as God's work are like a building. In fact, Jesus used that, that imagery, didn't he? Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, I will do what? I will build my church. Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, and in Hebrews chapter 3, the writer in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, uses the idea of the church as a building. It's a building. It's a spiritual house. It's a place for a holy priesthood, for people to go to God on behalf of the people and for people to go to the people on behalf of God. It's a place for spiritual sacrifices to be offered up to God through Jesus. All of that is language drawing drawing upon the imagery in the Old Testament of God's presence residing in, first of all, it started with the tabernacle, which was kind of a a movable temple. It was kind of a tent while they were still kind of on the go. Okay, well, they were still nomads. They were still moving around the wilderness. But eventually they built a temple, a large, ornate building whose purpose was to be a place where God's presence could dwell amongst the people and God's message could go out to the rest of the world. By the way, we've noticed all along through 1 Peter that there's a lot of Jewish language, right? So again, we recognize that probably many of the audience, many of the people in the audience that 1 first, that first Peter is written to were probably highly Jewish people. But we need to realize something. The Old Testament temple was just a what? It was a picture. It was a picture. It was a physical building so that we could get the imagery, so that we could get the reality. It was a beautiful place to show off God's presence and God's work in this world. But now through the New Testament, and it actually helps me when I say it this way, now through the New Covenant, that's another way of saying it, now through the New Covenant, that, what the temple was doing, that is what my life is supposed to be. I'm supposed to let God reside in me. I'm supposed to let God work through me. And the image here is, is that we're a lot of living stones. Isn't it awesome? It's not dead work. We are living stones. Christ is living. He's the living stone. He's living in us. And all those living stones are being put together. It's a beautiful image of the body of Christ. By the way, you hear sometimes people say, do I really need to be involved in church? You don't see the image of Lone Ranger Christians in the Bible. God takes me. Am I, the t- am I completely representation of who Jesus Christ is? <laughs> Certainly not. Okay? But I am part of what? The body of Christ. And when... I get next to you, 
and somebody else gets next to me, and we all begin to get together, man, you start seeing a pretty beautiful picture of, wow, this is who God is. God begins to show himself through this awesome picture of all these precious, that's a word that's emphasized all throughout 1 Peter, all these precious stones. God's using this work in our lives. He is building us up. He's taking the work in your life. He's taking the work in my life. He's putting those things together so he can be seen in this world and other people can be pointed to him. And that's why I think the Lord is ultimately trying to say to this. He say, say through this, he's saying, this is a very symbolic way of saying this. Listen, in the midst of your difficult situation, are you letting God work through you as his building materials that he might be glorified in this world? Did you hear that? In the midst of your difficulty, are you allowing Jesus Christ, your Savior, your Lord, to work through you in such a way that you are building material in his hand? He is building a building, amen? And it ain't on Corinth Road that we're going to be in in about six months. That's not the building he's building. That's where we go to do this work. We can do it here. We can do it at Heritage Hall. We can do it through Ramada Inn and start out in the dentist's office. We can be that spiritual building anywhere. But he is building that building. Are you allowing him to use you as one of those building blocks? And as I thought about this this week, I, I, I just got this picture. You know, the Bible says God is the builder. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God is the builder. I just got this picture of God. It's kind of a bricklayer. And he's working on this building to show himself to the world, to demonstrate who he is so that others might know him, so that he might be glorified in all the earth. He's building that building. He looks over his shoulder and says, hey, hand me another brick. And it just made me wonder, would I be ready to be used by him in that work that he's doing? I, did, I thought about that. There are bricks I thought about some of you in our church family. You are bricks that God is building a beautiful picture. You really are. I thank the Lord for you. You are such a blessing to me because God is working so many different passions and callings and, and interests and spiritual gifts and, and gifts and abilities and all these different things, all these experiences that God brings together. But if we're all seeking the Lord and if we're all put right in the place that we need to be, Man, it's an awesome thing, isn't it? I got to tell you, there are some gaps. Maybe God would challenge you tonight. Is it possible that there are some gaps in God's building? There's some holes in the wall. It's beautiful. It, it's awesome. But there are some holes in the wall because I am not allowing God to use me for his glory. Would you like God challenge you with that tonight? He's going to build that building, but he's calling you to be some of the material that he wants to use. In the midst of our difficulty, many times, what do we want to do? Do you think to yourself, oh, things are hard. I'm going to press on. <laughs> Is that what you think? When things get hard, what do we say? I give. No more. <laughs> Enough. 
tonight, I believe God's calling us. Don't just go through these things, but let me do my work in your life and grow you through these things that I'm doing. Tonight, would you just let the Lord speak to your heart? I can remember one of the hardest things I ever went through in my life, one of the darkest times in my life. I remember sitting in my bed every night and I said, Lord, I refuse to go to bed with darkness in my thoughts. I'm going to read your word until I get something that I can grab hold of. And I just did that for a long time. I just, every night, you can ask Shannon, every night, I would just read the word. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to even fall asleep reading it. Usually dream about the last thing you were thinking of or you know you were working on or whatever. I, I just want to dream about whatever the Lord wants to say to me. Because God, I need you right now. Instead of turning my back on him, instead of turning away from the one who can help me, seek him even more. Certainly, that's a challenge. But I would say that second thing is even more challenging. When God, when, when things are going difficult in our lives, we are not thinking, oh, God, use me. We're thinking, God, where are you at? Why have you given up on me? Why have you left me? We've got to turn back to those promises in his word. Has God ever said he would leave you or forsake you? No, he will not. Is God going to be faithful to you? Yes, he is. So we don't even have to go that direction. We can say, God, I do not understand why this is going on, but I refuse to allow the enemy to have any victory. And God, I don't know how you're going to use me, but you are working in this world. And God, I am your servant. Even though it's difficult, by faith, I ask you to use me in whatever you're trying to do in this world. That's a big step, isn't it? I take some faith tonight. But I believe God will honor that if you'll say that to him. I don't understand, God. I don't like it. I'm struggling. But I want to be used for your glory. I'm not going to turn back. If anything, I'm pressing on even harder with your help. Would you bow with me for just a few moments as we think about that? If you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, I want to ask you a question. Is it time for you to grow? Is it time? And is it possible that God is bringing some friction, some challenge, he's allowing some difficulty in your life, some things that are above your head that you can't control? There's been times where you might could kid yourself that you could get by on your own or you could do it in your own strength, but you just know, I cannot do this. Is it possible? If God is faithful and his word says he is, he's not going to turn his back on you. He has not left you. That's the enemy. Is it possible that God wants to do something very significant in your life? To give you a hunger for his word or to work through your life in ways that you would have never imagined? Would your heart be open to that tonight? And I pray if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Jesus, I pray that you would just know tonight. The Bible says we are going to have difficulty in this life. But we, we don't have to grieve as others in the world who don't know the Lord without hope. Tonight we can have hope if we put our trust in Him. Not just that God will get us through, but that He has a great plan and that ultimately He's going to be victorious in your life. But you've got to trust him tonight. 
Would you give your life to Jesus Christ? Would you call upon the Lord and be saved tonight and be rescued from your sins? Are you feeling the weight of carrying it all? Are you, are you, are you beginning to sense that things aren't right between you and God and you don't know how to make them not right? And tonight God is saying to you, come to me and trust me. Accept my gift. Accept my son as your savior and give your life to me. You can do that right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I pray that you would use it right now as we seek your direction for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.